Pulp MX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher. And uh, don't forget to go to 2 Under, the number 2 UNDR, the best men's underwear out there. Ferraro 20 code saves you 20% on there and uh, pulphockey.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate it. With me on the line, uh, a a hockey legend, really. He's uh, got four Stanley Cups with the New York Islanders, Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, member, uh, guy has done it all in the game. Of course, we'll remember him as a member of the New York Islanders for all those glory years. Clark Gillies, what's up, Clark? Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Steve. Good morning. Happy New Year. It's, yeah, uh, you too. <laughs> lovely uh, January first here in New York, and uh, I'm glad to be with you. Yeah, thanks very much. It's uh, probably colder. It's probably colder here in Vegas than it is in New York right now. It's freezing here. Yeah, so. yeah we're having a nice day. It's about. It's going to get up to about 45. We haven't had any snow. I played golf yesterday, which is kind of unusual. Wow, but, uh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, so we, we took advantage of a nice day here yesterday and had some fun. Yeah. Um, what uh, What are you doing now, Clark? What's going on with Clark Gillies these days? Well, I work for uh, I work for a uh, money manager in uh, Garden City, New York, out here on the island. I, uh, I'm in the marketing area. I go out and basically raise money for the firm to manage. Mm-hmm. Um so I set up meetings, uh, take our portfolio managers, and uh, let them uh, do our little our little thirty minute uh, talk on how we manage money, and and uh, and then I get out of the way and let them do their their thing. So it's, uh, it's been pretty good, and uh, I guess for the most part, I, I guess if you really wanted it, my job description is play golf with our clients. So it's not right. not very stress not very stressful. Uh, well, especially on the island, it's when you wheel out Clark Gillies, uh, you can pretty much, hey, yeah, it's awesome. Everybody remembers you, right? So, well, it, it does help to open doors. Sure about that. And uh, you know, we've had uh, we've had a nice time living here on Long Island, and uh, you know, I guess it's a little payback for the blood, sweat, and tears of all those years. And uh huh. Uh, you know, got to take advantage of it, and then really enjoying our time here on the island. Now the current New York Islanders, your, your numbers retired with them. Obviously, um, your current New York Islanders they moved from Nassau Coliseum, of course. Last year they're in Brooklyn. Now, have you been to Brooklyn? I think you have been because I saw a, a thing on TV. And what are your thoughts yeah. on the move? What, what I mean, obviously, look, it's it's you got to be a little torn, right? Well, it's, you know, we're we're all a little disappointed that the team's not back, not still here on the island, but you know. They said it's better than Quebec City or Kansas City. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've been into the Barclays Center uh, on quite a few occasions. I've only been to one hockey game. Um, I went to the Islander Ranger game back in December. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't wasn't quite as loud and and raucous as the, the old Coliseum used to be, but um, you know it was sold out as it usually is between Islanders and Rangers. And uh, being that it was in Brooklyn, there were. Probably fifty-fifty range and Islanders, but it's it's starting to. Uh, I think it's starting to grow. And people, the team's playing pretty well. 
ultimately, I, I think if everybody had their had their wish granted uh, when they finished the renovating the old Coliseum, which is under is is taking place right now, mm-hmm. uh, they'd like it to be expanded to sixteen or seventeen thousand seats and move the team back out here, but. Uh, uh, that's a bit of a pipe dream right now. It may or may not come to fruition. But right. uh, in the meantime, if you want to watch the Islanders, you got to go to Brooklyn. And it's an absolutely beautiful building. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no question about that. It's pretty easy to get to. Yep. Uh, take it from the from the train station I leave from out here to get to Brooklyn. It takes about an hour uh, to catch the right train. So it's not horrible. Right. Uh, and it's about a two block walk up to the up to the arena, and then. Uh, same thing with the train home. So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, not as convenient as a 20-minute ride I used to have to the Coliseum, but <laughs> you know, not terrible. Yeah, it's uh, one of those things. Charles Wong is uh, selling the team to some partners in a couple of years, I read, and maybe they'll do something. You know, they'll be, uh, be able to negotiate with the Long Island people. I know there's, you know, there's all those issues between uh, the owners and the, the county and it does, right. it does. They do belong on Long Island. They really do. But I, yeah, you know, let's hope it happens. Well, there's no question that that team should be should still be out here. Uh, you know, every other city in the league has built a new arena. Um, you know, we're yeah. we're about four four million people here on Long Island, and uh, you know, not to mention about fifteen million in the tri-state area. So. Uh, but out here on the island, it, you know, at that time, back in 08, when all of when they were really trying to get it done, uh, you know, the county, Nassau County itself was in rough shape. They're still in not great shape, but uh, the people just didn't want to go for uh, any more taxes, and a lot of it would have been on them, although mm-hmm. Charles Long originally did want to build the place on his own dime, and uh, it was going to be a major, major complex to the tune of about three and a half billion with a B yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and they just, uh, the County, uh, wouldn't give them, wouldn't give them the clearance to do it. And he said he tried another, uh, standalone building, uh, which would have been about a $350 million raise. He was going to put part of that in it. The County would have to uh, match it. And that would have been by way of taxing mm-hmm. County residents. Yep. And they just didn't want anything added on to their tax bills at that time. The county was in bad enough shape, and then nobody nobody felt that they needed a new arena. There were more important things. Yeah. So it's tough. Uh, lo and behold, they're they're now in Brooklyn because nobody could nobody could come up with any sort of uh, decision. Yeah. No, it's tough for sure. You under you understand both sides a little bit, you know. Um, yeah. No, there's no question about it. Yep. And. Uh, they put they put which I I was strange they they put the the total load on Nassau County and I think they should have spread that out to Nassau. We're kind of split between three counties here: mm-hmm. uh, Queens, Nassau, and Suffolk County, and all all three really should have uh, should have been part of this. Uh, yeah. Because we all enjoy the Islanders. I live in Suffolk County. I don't even live in Nassau. Right. County. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, it drops from everybody, I think right? We all should have been. We all should have been responsible for this new building, and but we weren't. So. Well, I'll tell you what. I uh, I'm a Leaf fan, but I'm also a hockey fan. I found myself in New York City with my wife uh, two years ago, and I knew the Islanders were leaving after last year. So I'm in Times Square area, of course, being the tourist. And I decide right. I gotta go see Nassau Coliseum. Like I just gotta go. I, like I said, I'm, I follow the Leafs, but I love hockey. <laughs> 
jump on two trains. Uh, it's blowing snow. My wife's like going, what are we doing? I thought we were going to a play. So I take right. her, I take her to Long Island, and we see the the Islanders and the Canadians get good seats, um, spend some money, get some good seats, and it was just really cool for me as a hockey fan. I got to be in Nassau Coliseum. I was pumped. Like it was, uh, it was cool. It was a neat arena. It was smaller than I ever thought it looked like on TV, you know. Right. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm glad to say that I got to go, and I, it was Islanders Habs, and it was it was cool. So yeah. But you know, the great thing about the Coliseum was. I don't want to talk about the bad stuff, but the, the best thing was that uh, when you when you had you know sixteen and a half, so almost almost seventeen thousand by the end, almost seventeen thousand people in that place. Yeah, and it it was just rocking. I went to uh, last year. I went to two playoff, actually three playoff games uh-huh. uh, um, with the Islanders in Washington, and it was literally at to the point where you couldn't hear yourself. Uh, and I said that must have been what it like what it was like as when we were playing, yeah. the place was fucking always full. And, uh, you know, what? nobody was worried about the Coliseum being old uh, during the playoffs last year. <laughs> right, so right. That. Yeah. Now, we I was... had a blast. And uh, it just, it's just, it's a shame because, uh, you know, they should still be here. But, uh, yeah. The people at the Barclays Center are very nice, though. Yeah, yeah. They've got sure. great, great staff there. They run a great show there. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I you know, I'm not a player now, so uh, mm-hmm. I think the fans, the fans are going to get used to it. And, and not to mention the players. I mean, every the players, the way they're set up now, they practice out here on Long Island, and, and they have to be in Brooklyn every every game day. So it's it's really like a road trip for them every day. Yeah, they get and, put up in hotels uh, or something to sleep after morning skate or whatever. I read, and yeah, it's a bit of a. Yeah. Yeah, I got to catch the train. Most of them have to catch an eight o'clock train uh, from Long Island to get to the to the Barclays Center for the morning skate. Then mm-hmm. they go to a hotel about six blocks away, from what I understand, eat, sleep, and walk back. And then after the game, they all get their own limousine and they it takes them home. Huh. So it's, it's right. Well, not I'm... very not very convenient. Uh, but there, you know, like I said. Uh, it's a small inconvenience. They're going to get, they're either going to have to get used to it, or they're going to be going someplace else. But um, yeah, uh, well, I'm pumped. They got a great friendship. They got a great hockey team right now, and I, I hope do. it all works out because uh, we've been waiting a long time for this team to be successful again. Yeah, they're an emerging team, no doubt for sure. Um, they've got some great players and a couple guys in the system still that's coming through. The, I'm glad I, I got to go, and I got I got I got to see the banners and the and the, yeah. and the jerseys and, and everything else. So let's hopefully. It I, I had to like I had to like the bathrooms and the. Uh, <laughs> well, the concessions, the hallways, everything was the thirty minute wait to get a beer and the thirty minute <laughs> yeah. wait to go to the bathroom. Yeah, it wasn't the wasn't the greatest, and and then uh, I thought the decor was really funny too. It was like straight out of like mid eighties decor, uh, All, you know. But well, hey, I mean, whatever. Most of, pictures, most of the pictures in the place are pictures of us from the <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, when you okay, so let's get in the time machine a little bit and talk about your career. Mm-hmm. Um, you drafted fourth overall uh, by the Islanders in seventy four. You're you're born in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. You played for the Regina Pats. When you got drafted, and they said, "Hey, kid, you're going to New York." Were you like, huh? Like what? I mean, you probably weren't even thinking about the island either. You were probably like, no, no. I mean, uh, New York to me was Kelly Tavales, you know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and uh, you know, I was—I I can't say I was scared. I, I was—I was curious for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, 
I had the uh, had the opportunity to uh, uh, spend some time that summer, the summer of the draft, before the draft, uh, in Montreal with Bill Torrey and Al Arbor and a couple of the Islander scouts because I. I kind of knew that they were going to be the ones picking me. It was between myself and Guy Schwenard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was either going to be Atlanta or the Islanders, and uh, it was pretty clear at that time that the Flames, uh, Cliff Fletcher, was going to take Guy Schwenard. So uh, I spent some time with the Islanders, uh, spoke to Al Arbor a fair bit. Al, you know, Al's a small-town guy from Sudbury, Ontario, mm-hmm. and um, he moves from St. Louis, which is still pretty much country down there. Yeah. Uh, he moved to the island. He said, I had, I had all kinds of apprehensions going to the island, but he said, I have a beautiful place there. He says, I, it's an acre of land in a real, uh, like, suburban area. Yeah, yeah. It's just, mm-hmm. He said, it's absolutely beautiful. You think you were living in a park up there. So he made it, he made it sound very comfortable. And, uh, you know, once I got there, he was, he was right on, right on with the way he described it. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful place to live. Like I said, it's a little expensive. Yep. But, I mean, if you like to play golf, as I do, <laughs> it's probably the finest, finest golf course in the world or on the island. You got New York City at your, at your fingertips. So, yeah, um, it's right there. Yeah. Started to jump ahead. It, it turned out to be, uh, turned out to be a nice, nice surprise for us. So. So you get there, and there's the Danny Potvin's already there. He was the number one pick. Uh, tr- you know, you're there. You have a solid rookie season. Um, the next year, Trache comes. He was drafted the same year as you, and then next year he shows up. Two years later, right. Bossy's showing up. At some point, you, I mean, you guys have a couple of playoff disappointments, too. Like, you lost to the Leafs, and you lost to the Rangers. Um, but the team was building. And then at some point, when do you, when do you get with Trache and Bossy on a line and be like, oh, wait, we've got something. Because that's when people really started, like, that was such a powerhouse yeah. line for so long. Was that early on, or is that during the – was it after uh, the uh, – Bossy was drafted in uh, 76 seven, or so. Seven, yeah. Seven? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the first day of practice, Al put us together. Oh, okay, so right away. All right, yeah. He goes, he goes the three of you are playing together, working out, basically. Yeah. And um, it was, I want to tell you, it was instantaneous. Uh, from the from the first day we skated together, it was it was fluid. It was like we'd been playing together for years, right? And um, and it just got better and better from there. And uh, you know, it was a, it was a great break for me. It was a great, you know, it was a break for all of us. I mm-hmm. think. Uh, you know. Like it was, it was a pleasure to play with Trache and certainly Boss. Um, you know, you couldn't, you know, from from a talent level, you yeah. playing with two of the best that ever, two of the best that ever played. And you know, my job was to uh, you know kick a few in in front of the net, and make sure nobody <laughs> nobody hurt them. So, <laughs> well, it worked out pretty well. Yeah, you would have been what you would have been called a power forward, which is nobody talks back then. Nobody called you that, but that's what you. I think you would have been. You know, a guy that can go up and down. Yeah, I, Go in the corners, I drop guess, the gloves. So, right. I guess over the years, it kind of credited me as to as to being the sort of first power forward that could, yeah, you know, big, could skate, could shoot, could score, and uh, you know, didn't mind mixing it up a little bit when when need be. So, um, yeah, I was. Uh, I, I always considered myself I had a pretty good junior career. Mm-hmm. Obviously, got drafted pretty high by the Islanders. Yeah. Um, but my my uh, you know I get 
I get a lot of accolades for a couple of different fights that I had over my career. Yeah, Dave Schultz. Uh, so I, yeah. yeah, Schultz and O'Reilly gets brought up mm-hmm. a lot. Eddie Hospital on the Rangers. Oh, yeah. A few, a few different fights. But, you know what, my, my, my focus, Steve, when I went to the arena every day was not so much who I was going to be fighting, but, you know, how many goals I could score and how was I going to, I was going to help this team to win. And, and uh, that was all part of my package of the fighting. It was part of the package that I brought to the rink every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I didn't have a lot of fights. I, I think... Yeah, actually, I actually looked them up. I I wanted to see for this podcast. You might be surprised. You didn't. You only fought three guys more than once. Like you didn't have like this regular brawling, you know, line. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. Well, most of, most of the guys didn't want to fight again after. Fought <laughs> once, so, which was good. You know, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you, like. I've read a lot of books about the dynasty years and then, you know, watch a lot of TV. And I want to know if you agree with this. Like Don Cherry was a guy I always said this too. And, and I've heard it written, Hey, don't wake him up. Don't hit Clark yeah. Gillies. You know, don't, like, like once you get him mad, he's going to, he's going to either score on you or beat you up. Do you agree with that? Was that a, a proper assessment? Because I got to tell you, Clark, that myth or that, that is out there about you. You know what I mean? That you were a gentle giant until woken. <laughs> Do you agree? That was uh, that was partially true. I must, I must admit. Yeah. Uh, there were some some games you didn't need you didn't need a whole lot of motivation. There were some games that, um, you know, I I would be so far from the fighting side of it that I would start to get a little mellow. And, uh, <laughs> most of the games, most of the games that I played my best were when I had a little burr up my ass and right. You know, would would go out there and you know hurt some guys. And, and uh, you know, really be in the game, and it was and it, a lot of times it was. It, it wasn't that somebody did something to me; they might do something to Trotchy or Bossy, mm-hmm. and that's that's really those are the times that I, that I really got set off. But uh, you know, there were a lot of games. I mean, that's that's a, everybody said that, and, and it was true because if you did wake me up, I was going to hurt you. So. Right, right, yeah. Just leave him alone. I didn't need to be woken up every day. <laughs> let him go up and down his wing. Just let him. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah. I did one of these with Kelly Rudy, who uh, you know joined the team after the after the cups, and and he said he asked me something like, "Don't you know?" I asked him about Bossy, and he said, um, "You know what? I was surprised." And he goes, "You think of Bossy as a as a small guy?" And I'm kind of like, "Yeah." You know, you yeah. just think of him as like a scorer, right? You know, a smaller dude, yeah. uh, not physical at all, and and. Kelly Rudy was like, man, you would be surprised at this guy. He was built. He was tall. He was built. He was he was muscular. He, Kelly Rudy kept saying, like, I, if you looked at his arms and wrists and hands, they were massive. Um, <laughs> do you agree with all that? Do you, he, was like, ripped. He, he was really ripped. I mean, uh, if Boss got down and did 20 push-ups, he'd get up and it would look like his, his, his skin was going to rip apart. He was so tight. <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah. So he was, he was strong. I mean, yep. he had big, you know, he's very muscular, big legs, um, you know, biceps, wrists, of course, you know, and yep. so this was the way he shot, his, shot the puck. Um, and, and physically, he spent a lot of time, as they say now, in the dirty area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't get 60 goals a year for 10 years or whatever the oh, number is. Crazy. Uh, without getting down down in some of the dirty spots, and he spent a lot of time in front of the net. That's probably that's probably the reason Boss only lasted ten years because he took so many vicious cross checks 
to his back and, yeah. and uh, he got pounded a lot in front of the net. But that was his decision. He knew where he knew where he was going to mm-hmm. be the best, and, and that was down in those low areas. And um, but in order to be there, he had to be incredibly strong, which he was. How about his fifty and fifty? He needed three in the last game, and he got it. Right. That was pretty exciting, yeah. Wow, yeah, I bet. Exciting. I, I, I wasn't part of the 50th one. Tonelli was on the ice. Okay, now. yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, being on the bench and stuff, sure. it, was, it was pretty exciting, I must say. He, he was just a, you know, when he when he saw the net and when he, when he saw an opportunity, it was it was really scary. The goaltenders were basically... You know, he had to be in the palm of their hand. Uh, there was a guy, uh, Joe Malosh, played goal in this. Mm-hmm. Yep. We played him in the uh, in the second cup. Right. And uh, Malosh had a quote after one of the games. He goes, Bossy's the scariest guy when he's coming down on you because he can score on you. He says he can score on you 10 different ways. <laughs> and you have no idea which one he's going to use because he never used the same one twice. Yeah. Yeah, really, and right? That was really true with Boss. He could... He could zing in top corner. He could, and his favorite way to score, which um, kind of gets taken away from you now because of the butterfly with the goalies. But he, boss, used to always say, "You want to score, shoot it hard on the ice." He said it's the hardest thing for the goalies to do to move their feet. It's true. And yeah, he, said, he right. would score so many goals just zipping it right on the ice. And uh, they just back in those days, it was it was more stand up and. Uh, Yep. They didn't do the butterfly. They didn't do the butterfly. They do today with those big bats. So, mm-hmm. um, so he scored a lot of goals that way. But, but, but he could score them anyway. And really, like I said, he had so yep. many ways to shoot the puck, and it was so good. It was so good at every one of them. And uh, whether it was deking you or just picking a corner or snapping it up top or backhand or yeah, whatever it was. I mean, yeah. Hey, listen, he scored yep. a tremendous amount of goals in a short period of time, and it, had he played 15 years, probably would have scored a thousand goals. Nine straight uh, years of 50 goals, and he got 36 or 37 in the final year in only 60 games. You know, like just, right. yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, you, you're, half, of those, half of those 60 games, he could hardly bend over probably. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, he, he is an interesting guy. Did you three always get along? Were you always, uh, were there, like, did you get along with Trots better than Bossy, or did, were you guys best friends off the ice? You know, off the ice, uh, it's, it's interesting you ask that question because uh, I rarely saw either one of them off the ice. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. They roomed together on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, our our lifestyles were completely different. Um, you know, I used to like to, uh, you know, have dinner with the boys, a couple of beers, and. Trotch and Boss would, would sort of, most of the time, I think they'd have room service. <laughs> Stay um, in and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just, just kind of the way they operated. And, and uh, well, at the same time, you know, we'd all be out having dinner, and they were back at the hotel going down to the lobby and saying, hey, could I get Mr. Key in my room? Oh, what's your answer? Mr. Gillies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, Mr. Gilly, just a second. You didn't have to show any identification. Right. I get home and, you know, your, your room would be ransacked. And, you know, they, were, they they used to think that we didn't know it was them that were doing it. They they rarely did anything to me. But, right, you know, right. that's exactly, you know, they go and say, can I get Mr. Uh, I, I have Mr. Gilly. Can I get the key to my room? Right. And they were, oh, they were ruthless. Trotch especially. <laughs> he pulled some of the worst pranks. 
Oh man! And, uh, but uh, but getting back to your original question, uh, Al Arbor um, made a point one day. He said we had a team meeting. I don't know whether we were playing bad or what the deal was. Mm-hmm. He said he said there's one thing I really don't care about. He says what you guys do outside that door, the entrance to the locker room. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't care what you guys do outside that door. He said, but outside that door, he said, but when you come through that door, you better be ready to kill for each other and and go through the wall for each other. Um, What you do out there, it's up to you. And I, it wasn't that I did a dislike, Trotz or Blas, like I said, we just had different styles. Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, I mean, Trotz to this day is one of my favorite people. I mean, we talk, we talk a lot. And uh, he's, he's always concerned with how I'm feeling and you know, <laughs> vice versa. Right, right. Uh, I see Boss. Uh, I see Boss at the Barclay Center. He still works a little bit for the Islanders. And, and we can go on fine. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. That's good. We really um, do. I, I, you know, but, but it's, it, it's just, you know, are, are we best of friends? Um, I wouldn't categorize it as that, but, mm-hmm. but there's a there's a bond there that is, Tighter than that because because of our success and because sure. of the time that we spent together, you know, battling for each other. So that's that's as important as anything. And nice, uh, uh, and I get along great. Bobby Bourne is probably one of my best friends, actually. Well, your kids are your kids are married, right? Your daughter and Bobby's. Yeah, that's... my daughter married his son, so uh, <laughs> we're actually related in some way, shape, yeah, or Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's got to be weird. Hey, yeah. <laughs> our kids met, and now they're married. Um, yeah, well, the, that's, that's a whole different story. But, yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah, no, right. uh, that's the way we were. We were uh, good. We'd have a couple of tea parties, of course, of the year. Maybe have sure. a little Halloween party. We might have a uh, a New Year's party if the schedule permitted. And uh, other than that, we didn't we didn't see each other a lot off the ice. You know. We talked about fighting a little bit, and again, you weren't scared to drop the gloves, but you played the game, obviously, too. 30, 30 goal scores, like eight times or whatever you are, your stats are. Uh, today's game, though, like, again, my favorite team, the Leafs, they fought twice, and they don't have a heavyweight. Nobody, there's not a lot of fighting going on now. Um, you know, I've, I've never been a fan of the goon guy, but I think there's a place for fighting for guys like yourself or, you know, if you're going to mess with, with a really good player on the team, I think that fighting it works out. I just don't like this, the stage stuff, and I don't like the guys that only do that. But it's a yeah. different game now, huh? It's a different thing. Like, in your era, you kept you guys, and, and I, I don't want to put you in that class because, like I said, you're not yeah. this goon guy, but you kept things straight. Like, it was a little different game. Well, intimidation was uh, it was a much bigger tool, let's put it that way, back in those days. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were some there were some crazy guys on the ice. I can tell you that right now, much more so. Than <laughs> right. Yeah. I won't I won't go into specific names, but there were some real goofballs on the ice, and uh, um, whose only concern was to go out and you know possibly hurt somebody if they right. could. Right. Right. And um, you know, and that was that was where I stepped in. You know, I was fortunately a, a big man back in those days, and, and I was able to take care of myself pretty much no matter who it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, and hopefully I was a deterrent for a lot of that stuff going on. Uh, but all being said, we had a tremendously tough team, I and mean, we had Bobby Nystrom who could fight with anybody, Gary Howlett, uh, Gordy Lane. 
um, and some guys that nobody knew much about were also pretty tough. So mm-hmm. um, the physical side of it was a, was a part of our game. Um, the nice thing about our team was that we could do anything. Um, so we came up, some, but we did come up against some, some situations where, you know, it got pretty nasty. I mean, a lot of, a lot of our trips to Philly weren't very pleasant, you know. <laughs> right. uh, Boston, um, you know, things like that. But um, we made it through. I mean, uh, we I think we showed everybody in the 1980 playoffs that, mm-hmm. you know, we weren't going to be intimidated as we were possibly in 78 and 79. So, um and after after he was all done, I think people realized that you know we better not master these guys the way we used to. Yeah, yeah. You know we could we could get hurt here, but uh, well, you had that beard so too, we Clark. Were very very well rounded team, very well balanced team, and, and uh, we had our tough guys. But but getting back to your original thought here, all our tough guys could play. Mm-hmm. We could play. I mean, Bobby Nystrom was an excellent. He was on the third line. He scored. Bobby would score close to thirty goals every year. Um. We had Gary Howitt was a, was you know didn't score as much as uh, but I think Howie got 21 year uh, you know pretty consistently in that 20 goal range mm-hmm. but you know was not in the least bit afraid to drop the gloves against anybody um, I saw him having some great fights with Schulte yeah he to, Gary Howitt actually was the guy I think that, I think they made the really can't grab the guy's hair anymore during the fight <laughs> I think that was the Gary Gary Howitt. Because he used to grab, I used to see him do it with Schultz. He grabbed Schultz by the back of the head and pull his head down with his hair oh, and just riddle him with, riddle him with uppercuts. You know? Right, right. Oh, man. Schultz would, would scream bloody murder. That little bastard grabbed my hair. I can't grab my hair. <laughs> well, finally, they made a rule where he couldn't grab the guy's hair in a fight. And I think it was all because of Gary Howard. But, <laughs> um, but, but I, I, I think now that fighting... As much as as much as I think fighting should be part of the game, um, for as far as I'm concerned, you could basically eliminate it right now. Yeah, yeah, kind of uh, right. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's, I mean, you watch the playoffs. How many fights? You don't see any fights in the playoffs. They're just uh, the guys are just too hesitant to take that extra two minutes. You know, power plays are are sacred in the playoffs and. Uh, you know, you don't want to take any extra stupid penalties. So the thing that I don't like is way too much of this guys rubbing their gloves in each other's faces. And it's like, that's not proving anything, you know. Right, right. Play, the play's over, back away, uh, or drop the gloves. I mean, yeah, yeah, you, right. want settle, you want to settle something, drop the gloves. Don't, you know, don't call me a pussy and drop your glove in my face. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, do something and about I, it. It's all the time. Right. I mean, uh, you know, they F-bomb each other back and forth for about two minutes, and then they split up and go someplace else. So, you know, that, that all being said, I, 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 there's a kid that plays for the Islanders, and you know very well, Matty Martin. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of Matty Martin. He mm-hmm. works his butt off every night. He's led the league in hits probably for the last four years straight. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and he, he fights when... The need is there. Right. And he can fight. He can duke it out pretty good. But he doesn't run around, you know, and there's not no face wipe with him. He's like, Yeah. Do you want to go? Go. Let's go. Drop the gloves. But don't sit there and, you know, mm-hmm. yap at me. <laughs> and um, and there's guys, I mean, God bless them. Uh, 
Bolton plays for the Islanders. He hadn't played again, played a game this year. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I think the game has just passed him by. I mean, he's not a kid. He's, he's 38. He's had a pretty good career. He's played all a few different teams. Yeah, yep. But but the, the intimidation factor of having, you know, bolts on the ice is not not what it used to be. Right. Uh, he'll end up fighting the other guy from the other team, which really doesn't. It doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's like they really settle yeah. anything. You right. know? They're doing so it to really, you know. you're really taking a roster spot. You're really taking a spot on the bench that could be used by a guy that's going to be out there. I mean, the Islanders, the Islanders run four lines. They have they have four lines. They put out boom, boom, boom. They just run them all night long. Right. And then uh, I think a lot of the teams are going to that. You got to have twenty guys or sixteen, uh, sixteen, fifteen. They got twelve guys for all forwards. Yeah. Uh, three, three, four lines that can go on a consistent basis. And if you've got some guy that, that really can't skate, and uh, the Islanders over the last few years have had a couple guys like that, mm-hmm. they're, just, they're just wasting they're wasting a spot. So. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's a different it's a different game. I watch a lot of the classic hockey games on iTunes. Um, it's just different, man. It's uh, it's it's well, so a different. Good example, Steve, a good example is I mean, you watch the uh, the hockey in the Winter Olympics. I yeah, mean, I can't tell you I, that is the best hockey I have seen in maybe my whole life. Right. And there's no fighting. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a, there is no fighting, but there is a hell of a lot of hit. And uh, and that's the way it should be. I mean, it, you, the, re, the way you're going to get back at somebody is just to get them with a good body check. Um, yeah, I just keep going back to Brian Trotsky, probably the best player I ever played with or against. Um, could do everything except yeah. <laughs> everything except fight. Yep. But Brian didn't need to fight. If Brian wanted to hurt somebody, he would deliver the most crushing body checks. Uh, that I have ever seen, mm-hmm. and I mean that, and that's the way he punished people. Didn't have to be fighting, and people knew it too. I mean, Trotsky was two hundred and five pounds. He was built like a tank. Yeah, and yeah. Low center of gravity if, on him. If he wanted to hurt you, he would run over you. And his timing was impeccable. And when you when he had you in his sights, mm-hmm. you were getting hit, and you were getting hit hard. <laughs> and it was going to be uh, hard, right? Um, <laughs> I had. Couple of instances where Trot said to me, Clarky, I need you to do something for me. I go, What's that? He goes, He was mentioning a defenseman's name that cheap shot at him or something like that. He said, I want to get that son of a bitch. He said, Well, I need you to do this. He said, well, I need, when he gets the puck, he said, Chase him around the net. But oh, okay. When you, when you get him, when you get him behind the net, Stop! Don't follow him because I'm coming. I'm coming. Away. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm telling he would annihilate guys, and that's how we got him. And we would, right. just, we would just corral him, and he would just run him over. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And they knew it, too. They knew when he was on the ice, you had to know where he was at all times. So, you know. Um, inter- uh, interesting. Yeah. I, I read a book on the oral history of the, of the Islanders uh, dynasty, and I re- read a little bit last night uh, preparing for this podcast. You were captain. You were voted captain by the teammates, and then after two years, you went to Al Arbor and just said, "Hey, I'd rather. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm not up for it." Um, yeah. and, and in the book, in the book, a lot of other players said that you just you were in too good of a mood. You made too many jokes. You, there was too much stress on you. <laughs> they, they thought that you didn't want the stress and to anger anybody, or you know what I mean. You were kind of a happy-go-lucky guy. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think I think that was part of it. I, you know. 
um, Al, I was, I was sort of, I wouldn't say I was pressured in that situation. That mm-hmm. was a time when, when a lot of the older guys in the team didn't want Eddie Westfall to be captain anymore. Eddie was the original captain. Yep. When, the, when he came over from Boston in the in the uh, interleague draft to fill out the roster, and they made Eddie the captain. He just come off fresh off a couple of cups up in Boston, mm-hmm. and um, you know was was the odds-on favorite to be the captain. The oldest, probably the oldest guy in the team at that time too. Um, and then that, that time went on. Uh, it was my third year, I guess. Yeah, I was 23, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they decided that they, all the guys they didn't want Eddie to be captain anymore, so they kind of forced him to resign. And um, we had a vote. It was the vote? Uh, there was Trotche or I were going to be the one of us was going to be a captain, right? And we had, we had the vote. And uh, I think I won by one vote or something like that. Uh, so here I am, captain now. And was, <laughs> like, oh, sweet. Uh, like, holy shit. I was like, holy shit, that happened quick. You know, right, right, right. I've been captain on teams before, but, but that seemed to be pretty quick for me. But uh, mm-hmm. So I, I went through it. Um, I was okay with it for a while. Uh, there were a lot of things. Nah, yes, I didn't. I wasn't the kind of guy that was going to sit in the locker room and scream at my teammates, you know, get right. your ass going, you know, what's wrong with you? Um, my leadership was really, my leadership role was, was just sort of setting, doing it by example, going out there and playing. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of things that bugged me. Uh, if we got a penalty, um, Al would, Clark, you get over there and talk to that asshole. See what, see yeah, what yeah. that's all about. <laughs> right. I said, hell, I got a tripping penalty. But he said, oh, go over and see what's going to happen. So I go to the referee. What? What? He's got a tripping penalty. <laughs> or you got a slashing penalty. Right, whatever. Yeah. I go back to Al. I go, Al, you got a tripping penalty. <laughs> He's not taking it back. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I'm getting like, Al, what do, you, what do you want me to do? The guy got a tripping penalty. What? <laughs> Is it, does it need to be clearer to you? They take it in the box for two minutes. Right. I used to spend more time running back and forth to the referee and I'd be like, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> the worst part, too, that fast as I played with, I mean, we'd have a team party. I'd pay for it and have to collect the money from oh, the guys yeah. after the party was over. I'd, I'd end up going for half the party. Yeah, that never worked. That never works. Never. Yeah. <laughs> it, got, it got expensive after a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'll tell you what, had I known we were going to win this cup the year after I gave up the seat, I probably would have hung on to it. But, uh, yeah, you would have been the first guy to hold the cup, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it didn't take long to get it out of Dennis Poppins' hands after we won the first cup, I can tell you that. Yeah. But, uh, I, I just, you know, there were a lot of things. I mean, I can't go into all of them, but uh, I, I just, for the most part, I didn't really feel comfortable. And uh, uh-huh. it's just the the best way for me to perform at my at my best is to, is to get rid of this thing. Yeah, um, Al Arbor asked me. Uh, Al, Al asked me. He said, "Well, who do you think would be a? Who do you think would want it?" And I said, "Well, I said Danny Poppins got the biggest ego on the team." I said, "You know, he, he's this needs to be a guy that's got a mm-hmm. got a big ego and and uh, you know wants to be the man. Yeah, you know, wants to be the guy. Yeah." yeah. And then he, was, then he turned out to be a great captain. I, mm-hmm. I really, I really think so. Uh, I mean, here's a guy that, you know, arguably, you know, certainly, certainly the best defenseman on our team, certainly one of the best players on our team. Yeah. Uh, but arguably, you know, in the top 
drop three or four. Absolutely. And ever play the game. Sure. Um, obviously, Bobby always always gets number one, and he got coffee, and then obviously in mm-hmm. Detroit, uh, uh, what the heck's his name, just got an all Lidstrom. 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 Nicholas yeah, Lidstrom. Yep. Lidstrom is a tremendous defenseman. And, uh, but, but Denny was, was part of that, that new breed, that, that offensive defenseman mm-hmm. after Bobby. And then Coffee certainly after Denny, and then Lidstrom after Coffee. And, yeah. Um, and now you, you know the guys in the league now that follow that same role and that, yeah. fit that same bill. So. Yeah, it's a, uh, you, don't, was, you just don't see it too much. Our, yeah, he was, Denny was a big part of our team every night, Steve, and, uh, and that, was, that was part of the, you know, the responsibility he felt wearing that seat. So. Yeah, you don't see too much, like, guys who give up the captaincy, and that's certainly uh, – uh, Patrick Barlow and Joe, Thor- Joe Thornton is one right now in San Jose. But generally speaking, when you're not captain anymore, things have gone bad, and you got to get out of town, or you're getting traded. Like you know, but in, in your case, it was just everyone was cool with it, and you were staying on the team, yeah. and there was no problems. You know, just generally speaking, it doesn't end well when a guy gives up a C. But for you, it, it was went great. So yeah, it's it's just yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was a voluntary thing for me. Yeah. Uh, my my career, I was in the, I was in the, the really the the, the highlights of the high years, the great years of my career, and I, I just uh, I felt that it was holding me back, and uh, mm-hmm. and that was the biggest reason. And I said to Al, I said if I'm going to play at my best, I said I got to get this thing off my shirt. <laughs> he said, Well, one thing I do want you to do is play your best, so you know, yeah. we'll find yeah. somebody else. And uh, I mean, I had, I had great years. Like some good years before that, but, you know, there's no doubt about that. But mm-hmm. uh, it just kind of freed me up. I, it sort of took a load off. Right. Um, every jersey, I still have my jerseys when I get them made up. I have to see put on them. I mean, I was I was the captain for a couple of years, so mm-hmm. um, and, and and I always I always feel very proud of the fact that I was captain of that team at one point. You. Uh... You won four cups. You 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 beat the uh, Flyers, the Stars, the Canucks, and the Oilers. And it's easy to say, "Hey, which cup is your your most memorable?" And it's easy to say the Flyers, and it probably is for you. I don't know, maybe not. But I'm almost yeah. thinking, Clark, that like that last one, Oilers were favored. You swept them. You took four as a you know you got four in a row. But is it does that one mean more, or is it still the first one? Um, that's a, that's another great question. Yeah, because, like just uh, because that fourth one, I remember. I'm, I'm 40 years old, so I'm younger than you, but I remember most people saying Oilers are going to roll these guys. You know, Gretzky, yeah. everybody, they're just going to beat these guys, and you guys handled them. So the uh, the first cup, obviously, uh, uh, being the first, uh, you just can't replace that. You just, you yeah, just, it has to be. That has to be the the best one, right? Okay, yep. Just for that, for no other reason than sure, it was the it was your first one, and, right? And that 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 will go. I always I always say that <laughs> the uh, beating the Oilers in four was the most surprising win. I uh, I would have I thought going into that that we are in jeopardy of this streak ending, you know, <laughs> right? A very talented team, but we were, we were still, you know, the good thing about us, we we, we stayed pretty healthy. Uh, uh-huh. Through all the first three cups, we 
Uh, three, three, three factors. Obviously, you got to be good, which we were. Um, you got to be lucky, which we were. Uh, but most, maybe most important, you got to have the full team out there every night. You got to have a full squad. Uh, mm-hmm. And we were very healthy for those three, four years, especially well, the four years right through Edmonton. But, right. Um, so we were still, we still had the talent. We still, uh, you know, played against this team, and they, and they hadn't been there yet. Which, right. They hadn't won. Which was still a huge factor. We knew, we knew what it took. We knew the sacrifice you had to make because mm-hmm. um, we had done it three times previously. So um, it's a, there's a, there's a that's a hidden factor that that is so important. Um, having been there before was was huge, and uh, and I think uh, once they got, you know, I guess you lose four straight. It's categorized getting your ass kicked. And uh, they weren't happy about it. Mm-hmm. It was similar to us, and similar to us in '78 and '79. Right? Yeah, lots of lots of the Leafs, lots of the Rangers. Yeah, right. We had we had we had the team that could go. I mean, we should have gone all the way, and we didn't. So you got to learn from those things. And unfortunately for us, in the in the fifth try, they learned. They learned <laughs> that they didn't right. Sacrifice. Yeah. yeah, they didn't sacrifice enough. They didn't play hard enough. And it and it came back to bite us uh, in the in the fifth cup because uh, they played tremendous. Um, certainly, certainly having the uh, playoff format changed on us that year with the yeah we went two two three two instead of two two one one one. And I'll never I don't know who was responsible for that. I'll never forget them as long yeah. as I live. Because <laughs> um, Edmonton came in. Uh, they won the first game. They won one nothing. Kevin McClellan scored on a yep. goal that he was basically behind the goal line. Hit Smitty's the back of Smitty's pad and went in. We lost one nothing. Yeah, and then we beat them six to one in the second game. They didn't even show up, and then uh, went back to Edmonton and they beat us all three games at Edmonton. So yeah, um, but that that all being said, you know the, the health factor was really hurting us. We had a lot of guys that were banged up, um, so. God bless them. They they played hard. They but they uh, it was the, the learning experience for the year before when we beat them four straight. Yeah, was was in, I think invaluable to them, and I think they'd all admit that. Well, is that is that story true that they walked by your dressing room or they came in your dressing room after they lost and they saw you guys with ice bags everywhere <laughs> and they saw I don't know if you've heard this story I'm sure you have um, yeah, they yeah. saw you guys and they were like oh we look at those guys like they're beat up and they're sacrificing and I don't know if that's yeah. true or not but yeah I was uh, and I heard it a few times and uh, I've heard Greg say it himself that you know they. You know, after the game, they walked by, and mm-hmm. they expected our, our they expected our room to be on fire. You know, champagne <laughs> flowing everywhere. And when he said, "I walked by the room," they were all sitting there having a beer with an ice bag here, there, and everywhere. Right, and, right. Uh, and it really, that's the way it was. It was uh, uh, the first cup was crazy. The second cup was not as crazy, and then Vancouver. We, we get in afterwards, and it was just like we were sitting there and yeah, you, just having a couple of beers and resting. You know, it was, it's draining. It's, you sure. You know, um, now, the guys, the guys I think that would probably be as drained as we were uh, would be a guy that wins like a like a Tiger or, or Roy McIlroy or somebody like that that wins the U.S. Open. You've got to absolutely be at the top of your game for – 
four straight days. Yeah. Right, in their case, and with us, it was, you know, six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. But four series, you've got to concentrate and work and work and work because you can't, you lose, you're up. So you can't, you can't lose. And, and that, that is draining when you have to put yourself in that position night in and night out. And, and uh, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. Um, somehow we were able to pull it off four years in a row, which to me seems like some sort of miracle. Um, <laughs> The, uh, yeah, hey, that drive for five, you led the team in scoring in the playoffs. You didn't have a great regular season, and then you caught fire yeah. in the playoffs. Um, do you know what happened? What was the deal? Did you just feel it? Did something happen? Did, was yeah, there some... I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I always tell the story that the, uh, the good news, it's good news, bad news. It's really it's good that I scored 19 points. The bad news is I led, I led our team in scoring. And, uh, <laughs> that's I the bad news, led, right? I should never have led that team in scoring, and that you know could have been Bossy, Trotchik, Potvin, me, possibly. Um, but yeah, no, I had that tremendous playoff. I don't know. Things just seemed to to work. I seen I, I, I just scoring goals, backhand, forehand, being in the right spot at the right time for some reason. Um, had life, uh, you know, felt good. Mm-hmm. Um, just one of those things. Just one of those things where it all came together, and uh, you know, I would have gladly, uh, I would have gladly uh, been fourth in the scoring race with 19 points and, and won the cup. Um, sure. You know, John, John Smith's a wonderful thing, and I guess I got considered for it, but mm-hmm. rarely when you're on the losing team do you win the Conn Smith, especially with a guy like Gretzky on the other side. So. Um, but it was a, it was a nice run, and I'm, you know I'm proud of the way I performed that year. But but nothing will replace you know losing losing that cup. It oh. was, uh, as much as as much as um, the four years of winning were just mm-hmm. unbelievable. Um, I don't think I've ever been as down after, in that locker room after we lost. Really? Uh, huh? In yeah. This cup. Yeah. It was. It was uh, barely, you could barely speak. It was so disappointing. Um, you know, because we, I, you know, with with a little bit of different, a little bit of change, you know, a little yep. healthier. Um, I, I, I'm just, I, it burns my ass when I think about that <laughs> two, three, that two, three, two situation. I, I it, yeah, I'm, we're gonna have to start bleeping things here if we keep talking about that. But, uh, That's a podcast. Yeah. We don't need to bleep it, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, and, it's, uh, and it's almost like one of those things. Well, there, were some factors, there were some things that went against it. And, uh, yeah. But that all being said, four was a great run, and uh, oh, probably will never be even closely matched going forward with the player movement and everything now. So. Uh, 19 wins in a row. 16 guys were part of all four teams. It's just never going to happen. It's just not <laughs> – not going to go on, you know? So it's crazy, isn't it? 16 guys were on all four Stanley Cups. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Even when you look at Chicago or L.A. now, there's, there's no – I wouldn't – I don't know the numbers, but it's got to be five or six only, you know? And they only won two cups, you know, so – or three yeah. cups in the case of Chicago. But, yeah, it's 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 – it'll never – Well, you, you, you put a notch in your belt. You, you put a cup, on, uh, cup notch on your belt, you go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sixteen dudes. You can't, blame, you can't blame the players. It just, it just, it's so lucrative, lucrative for them now that you, mm-hmm. 
you have to say, see you later, boys. I'm gone. Yeah. The uh, the funny thing about that series too uh, is um, if you had probably played anybody but Edmonton, um, you might have had another, a fifth cup because you guys were still very good as we talked about. It's just it yeah. was their time. They got through. They managed to make it happen. But I remember the regular season meetings between you guys. Of course, you were in different conferences, and it was just you know dramatic must see games. And then it's just you two were the class of the field. If anyone else had been there. You probably would have had to drive for five. Would have been complete. Um, you know what? Possibly uh, because we did have the the revenge factor working with the with the Oilers. They couldn't wait to get back into that position again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to redeem themselves from the previous year. So, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know, right. it's hard hard to say. Um, but it. Was, <laughs> Who? There was there was a fire in their eyes. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were. I remember the, the previous year. They were a bunch of happy-go-lucky guys. They're probably a little too cocky. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, with mess and, and cough and, and stress and you know the whole yeah get on the list. They they'd be at practice and they were you know <clears throat> we'd watch them and they were all you know thinking they were maybe a little bit better than they really were. Right. Uh, you know, they came back to bite them at the end. Um, the following year, they were way more businesslike. And, uh, <laughs> they were like, hey. Way more, yeah, way more attention to detail. So, um, yeah, it was, that, was one, that was a strike against us that we didn't need uh, at that time. But, you know, that, that was a great team. I, I, I swore... I said after they beat us, I said that team's going to go on. They probably win four or five. They might win six mm-hmm. if they stay healthy. And um, and you know, if it wasn't for the for the screw up with Steve Smith and yeah, the third, for the drive for the third cup, they probably would have gone on and won four or five in a row. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, the uh, the funny thing is, is they went through their own little ups and downs, like you guys with the Leafs and the Rangers before you won the cup. You know, there was questions like we talked about whether you guys would win the big one or not. Well, they had their yeah. LA King collapse, and then also too, you guys beat them in '81. Um, so they went through some things just like you guys, where they and then of course the final against you guys, where they had to learn just the same yeah, as you. You I know, forgot, so. I forgot about that when they lost. Yeah, they lost uh, to LA. And, yeah, uh, when Gretzky went to LA, that's right. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so those are those are perfect examples of what we went through with Toronto and, and, and the Rangers. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, here's a question for you: as as a guy, a fan, just sitting on the couch, and obviously, look, uh, Clark Gillies and Trotche and Bossy and Potvin, Billy Smith. I know these guys; they're all in the Hall of Fame. They've all had their jerseys retired. But is there a guy on the Islanders that played for those Cup teams? That us fans maybe don't appreciate, or is there a, one or two guys that were just incredible in those runs, and even and and maybe we don't talk about as much that uh, was a damn good hockey player, and maybe you know, like I said, just doesn't get the doesn't get the accolation. No, I mean, yeah, you went, you basically, uh, and I go through the whole team, but um, you know, got, guy that we, we got we got Gordy Lane. Mm-hmm. Gordy Lane came over to us uh, in 80. He came over from Washington mm-hmm. during that season. Now, I spent a lot of years playing against Gordy, yep. and I was like, 
what? <laughs> Why did we get Gordy Lane? <laughs> right. Like, what? I mean, okay. yeah. I mean I'm, not, I'm just a player. I'm not a yeah, scout. Yeah. I'm not the general manager. But Gordy Lane was, was, you know, basically just, you know, he operated with a shovel, you know, and it was like he wasn't going to hurt you with anything. Couldn't shoot the puck. <laughs> he wasn't the greatest skater. Okay. No, I was never. I liked Gordy a lot because right. I actually I knew Gordy from Brandon. He was he, my brother. Spent some time with him in Brandon, so I kind of knew of Gordy, and mm-hmm. we had met each other. Nice guy, and, and but playing against him, going, oh, I'm glad he's on the other team because every time Gordy's around. But what I didn't know was how goofy he was. <laughs> I mean, you took your life in your hands when Smitty and him were. On the ice together, <laughs> nobody nobody went within ten feet of that goal. Right when those two guys were out there, between Gordy Fishforking guys and Smitty hacking trying guys, to take the eyes out, trying yeah. to hack him with, with his axe, and um, and, it, and it was really and Gordy turned himself into a a very steady defensive defenseman. Okay, like I said, his, yeah, just one of those guys, right? Yeah, his shot wouldn't break a pane of glass, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but he could move the puck up. He was tough. He could fight, and he was as mean as anybody I've ever seen. And the other guys on the other team knew that. And they knew that if they were going to go anywhere near that net with Smitty and, and Gordy there, mm-hmm. there's a good chance you were going to be bleeding when, when you came out away from the net. <laughs> and it was just, that, was, that was the intimidation factor that we're talking about. That's yeah. when it really... Really meant something, you know. Right, right. Um, yeah, like, see, I would have yeah. never, I would never, I would never talk about Gordy Lane. I would never know this. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, play was a huge part of the four cups. Um, got another. I mean, our defense was strong. Stephon Pearson mm-hmm. uh, was was really the second captain on the second unit for the for the power play. Denny would be the first, and right. Stephon Pearson be the second. Uh, Thomas Johnson, uh, the small Swedish defenseman, tough as nails, can move the puck, shoot the puck. Uh, Dave Langevin was uh, another guy that uh, big, strong defenseman would basically crush you with a hip check mm-hmm. uh, and block more shots than anybody I've ever seen in my life. Um, and then, of course, uh, the guy that we got in the 1980 Olympics court, Kenny Morrow. Yeah. Kenny Morrow, when I watched the Olympics, I was like, who did we who are we get from this team? And so he says that the defenseman, Morrow, number six. I go, Really? That's that's what you could do? Uh you know, I'm like, Jesus Christ. I, uh, and and but what happened was see that it just showed you how much uh, judge how great a judge of talent I was. Kenny Morrow, to me, might have been the best defensive defenseman I possibly ever saw. Yeah, um, yeah. Just so steady, so unflappable. Um, didn't matter what the situation was. Um, he turned out to be such a huge, huge part of our team. Um, I said, you know what? I'm just going to shut my mouth because I don't know anything about picking players because these guys are unbelievable. Because, <laughs> yeah, um, that's why you're not in scouting now, Clark? <laughs> yeah, or coaching, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we had, you know, our penalty killing, Billy Carroll. Billy Carroll, uh, 
you know, he won two cups with us, and then that went on to win a couple of cups in Edmonton. Uh, right. Billy is one of the best penalty killers I've ever seen. Not a guy. I think I think he scored one goal in the four or five years of play with him. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But man, yeah, he could he just could sure stop. He could sure stop the other team from scoring. I can tell you that. Um, but he was just he was part of that twenty man team. That you know, yeah, twenty guys, twenty guys that went on the ice, and twenty guys did their jobs. And if we had those twenty guys do exactly what they were supposed to do, I bet you a million you ain't gonna beat us. You know, yeah, and we had that most nights, and Billy was was a huge part of our team. Every guy in that roster had a huge role, and uh, they all they all did it to a T. And, and uh, when they when they didn't, we had a, there was a chance we might lose. Yeah, but when everybody did what they were supposed to do, we weren't losing. No chance, not a chance. So. Yeah, no, I agree. It was it was like I said, yeah. And then, you know, you have to get third line center Wayne Mayer. Mm-hmm. Um, Bone was a good family killer. Was, you know, went out there. He played with Nystrom and Tonelli. We call him the. Uh, he wore the yellow jerseys at practice. We call him the banana line. But they would go out there. They could play against anybody. Mm-hmm. Eat with anybody. Um, you know, Brent Sutter, uh, Dwayne Sutter, Dwayne Sutter, and I played together. With, played with Butch Goring. And Butchie came over in 1980. Um, Butchie was probably the. I would say. The most important addition to that hockey team. Uh, one of the big, big, biggest reasons that we went on to win four cups. Yeah, yeah, uh, they, yeah. They talk about that, and of course, he scored the goal. You know, he scored the uh, the winner. Yeah, so, uh, he, you know. he just he just gave us another element. Uh, gave us a second line offensive center on. Um, but he was tremendous penalty killer, um, and his his spirit, his 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 drive every game, and his. The way he went out there and played, it was just, you know, it was infectious. And the guys, that little bastard can go out there and, and put that much effort and that much blood, sweat, and tears into it, then I should be ashamed if I don't do the same thing. And um, I'll, give you, I'll give you a good story. My, one of my favorite stories about Butch. Mm-hmm. The second year we won the cup uh, against Minnie, uh, Butchie had gotten kicked in the face, cut him from below his chin right up through his lip. Okay. It really wasn't very pretty, I can tell you that. Butch, Butch wasn't the prettiest guy to begin with, but when he got his face slit open, right. I used to fly, I'd fly with him. I used to have a look at him all day long. I was like, Jesus Christ, you look horrible. <laughs> and, and, but he would go out there and he'd just stick his face and they wore that little stupid little helmet that he used to yeah, wear. You know? Yeah, the Jofa. Right. He, he came into me after the we, – we lost – uh, we beat Mini three straight, and we lost the fourth game in Mini. Mm-hmm. We came home, and uh, Butchie came up to me before the fifth game on, back on the island. He said to me, just to me, he goes, Clarky, he said, I, I only have one game left in me. He goes, I am exhausted, and I can't go back to Mini. So if we don't win tonight, he said, I'm, I'm through. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well, let's go out and win, goddammit. So we went out and played. Um, He scored. He got a hat trick. We beat him 5-2. to And he won the con smite. And I said, this little (laughs) bastard laid it all on the line. Yeah. And that that was just just typical of 
Sure. Of a lot of guys, a lot of guys on that team, you know, that uh, you know, just gave it everything they possibly had. And I, I don't think he would. I don't think he had, would have had enough energy. Yeah. To go back to Minnesota, so I'm glad we won. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. I did, I did one of these. I had the pleasure of playing playing with him that night. It was just one of the most inspiring performances I've ever seen. Yeah. I did one of these with Don Bopra. He he got the win in Game Three there, and the, or Game Four. Uh, he got the win, and then he went into the next one. He just said it was just you guys were all over him. <laughs> he was just, yeah. he was very very scared. Um, you know, wave after yeah, wave of great. Islanders coming at him. Um, there wasn't much. Afraid there wasn't much chance of them coming out of there with a victory uh, once we went back for the fifth game. But yeah, well, yeah. Uh, when, when you watch them, like I've watched the games on on on, I've watched the games on the uh, vintage vintage games, and like mm-hmm. you guys, I watched the finals versus Canucks. Two of those games, I've watched the Stars games. Like you guys rolled through those guys. Like you had tougher times against the Penguins in '82. Like when you right. when you had to score in overtime. Um, yeah. You know when you you had another tough series against the Rangers before you met the Stars. You guys almost. I don't want to say that those Stars and Canucks finals were easy because they're never easy. But you guys had faced your tougher challenges before you got there. You know. Uh, there's no there's no question about it, and uh, you know I, I don't know what the. The TV audience ratings were during that time, but there were there were series before, like you said that that you mentioned the Pittsburgh series when we right almost almost blew it in the fifth game. Um, that that was what I said about being lucky. Mike Bullard dinged it off the goalpost, said Smitty undressed and dinged it off the goalpost, and Tonelli goes down and scores. Um, so it was you know, a lot of things, a lot of good things happened, but there were a lot of a lot of really tough series to get there, um, and you know that's why I said it's, it's, it's not just you've got to get to the finals to play in the finals, and uh, yeah. some, of those, some of those series go sort of unnoticed. Nobody remembers anything about them. Um, they only remember the finals, but right, it's a it's a tough road, and there's a lot of a lot of battles that happened before that. But yeah, Vancouver was. You know, it was they were a, like plucky underdogs horrible. who were just happy to be yeah. there, and then it was just yeah. yeah. And many, many was kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. There was, I think Dino Cicerelli was a rookie that year. Uh, he was probably the mm-hmm. the flashiest thing they had going for him, and and, uh, and yeah, you, it was just we just wore him down. Uh, yeah. we were we were just too good, too big, too physical, too talented, and then just wore him down. So. Um. So you lose the Cup final to Edmonton. You stick around the Islanders for another couple of years, and then uh, injuries. Uh, you know your goal totals goes down. Your injuries strike. I'm sure you're 54 games, 55 games. The waiver right. draft you get pl- claimed by Buffalo, and you know Tornelli's traded. Potvin retires. The, the dynasty's kind of over here. Did you? Did they tell you like, hey Clark, we're we're letting you. You know we're going to put you on the waivers. Or like, how was that a big shock? Uh, that must have been just tough. Yeah. Well. It wasn't. It wasn't. You know, did, would I have loved to finish my career with the Islanders? Yeah, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Uh, but uh, I hadn't. I hadn't had. It was two years removed from you know losing the cup, and mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. After we lost the cup, uh, there was a lot. <laughs> a lot was taken out of me, and yep. I was. It was hard. It was hard. Winning was got to be the only thing, and and. You know, to be on a, a lackluster team and, and not to be able to, to contribute as much as you wanted to, and mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, I think the wear and tear was starting to catch up a little bit. The body sure. was starting to fall apart a little bit. <clears throat> when Bill Torrey came up to me, he said, you know, we're, we're you know, it's, it's, we laugh about it. We're going in a different direction, and, and you're not going with it. <laughs> and you're not part of it, right? <laughs> um, yeah, we're going in a different direction, but you're not going there with us. So like, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, you only played a season. You only played a season and a half in Buffalo. You could probably tell yeah. at that point your heart was just, you know, you were like, ah. You know, I, I, I Bill, Bill had asked me, he said, where do you want to, where do you want to go? And I said, well, I don't even know if I want to go anywhere. So okay. Uh, but if I do, I want to go someplace close, and, and I couldn't go to the Rangers, and I couldn't want to go to the Devils, and mm-hmm. certainly Hartford and Boston were kind of out of the question, <clears throat> Boston particularly. Yeah. And Scotty Bowman was in Buffalo at that time, and I had had a couple of good experiences with Scotty with the Challenge Cup in '79, and then Team Canada in, in '81. So mm-hmm. he said, you know, if Scotty, if Scotty wants me, I'd, I'd love to go up there, and. uh that's how it, that's how it turned out. Um, you know, it was it was tough. I didn't. Yeah. You know, even when I even when I got to Buffalo, I, I felt like I wanted to go home. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I didn't bring my wife and kids with me. I lived in an apartment. Right. With a couple with some of the other guys. And, um, it was always you know is this going to be my last year? You know, we weren't very good. We had a lot of young guys. Andrew Chuck was a rookie then. Housley. John right. Tuck. Owsley, John Tucker, Mike Ramsey, they're all young guys. Lindy Ruff was was there. Got along great with Lindy, by the way, but a uh, bunch of the guys. It was They were a fun bunch of guys. We just weren't very good. And uh, we didn't make the playoffs last year, that year, which I was absolutely stunned. I said, what do you mean? Doesn't everybody make the playoffs? I mean, I'd never. <laughs> right. I'd never missed, ever missed the playoffs, and all of a sudden, I'm playing golf on April 6th in Buffalo, which wasn't very pleasant, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, we had snow on the ground, and it uh. snowed it the first day we were out to play. But, um, but you know what? I said, I learned to really like the guys on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the Buffalo itself. I think, you know, the people were so friendly. It was an easy place to live. Right. Um. So I, I went back and I, I worked out pretty hard that year. That summer, I worked all summer long with Lindy Ruff. Uh, we did some dry land training. We did a lot of uh, stuff in the gym, and I got pretty strong. I actually started out the season pretty pretty well. Okay. Uh, I had five goals in the first seven games, and then we went up to Edmonton. And uh, one of our defensemen, I was going down the left side. One of the defensemen flips a big high pass to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking back for it, and Craig Muni came over, and I don't know whether he – I would never say he did it on purpose, but he hit me. I think our knees hit together, mm-hmm. and I hyperextended my right knee, and I went down on the ice, and I go, that's it. Sayonara. <laughs> yeah, right. I figured, my, you I knew. figured every ligament in my right leg was absolutely shot. And that's, that's, they kind of wheeled me off the ice, and um, – Turned out they went in, did some work on it, did some, took out a bunch of cartilage and stuff. I guess it was all torn and everything. Right. right. Um, missed about three months. I finally got it diagnosed by the doctor here in New York. But they said it was just some torn cartilage, but he said you you basically have torn your posterior and anterior cruciate ligaments. Um, he said, I've never seen, oh, I have, he said, but 
your knee's about as unstable as I've ever seen. You know, just you can strengthen the leg and it'll work, which it did yeah. work after I retired. I played a lot of old timers games without much discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, but I missed three months uh, of that last season. I came back with this big double D rope brace on yeah. my leg. It felt like wearing a pipe on my leg. <laughs> so it's you know, you know, it's not you're not very mobile and yeah. Listen, it, 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 at the best of times, at that point, I wasn't I wasn't the most graceful guy, but uh, it was starting to get it was really starting to beat me up. My back was bad, so anyway, enough excuses. But yeah, yeah, you had four I, cups, uh, money in the bank, four cup rings, yeah. and you're like, all right, <laughs> yeah. And I don't think I'm going to be playing the 15th season. So right. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, we made the playoffs. We made the playoffs that year, at least, and uh, I got a few more playoff games in, and yeah. Um, it was, you know, it was pleasant after I spent a year in Buffalo uh, after I retired. Oh, did you? Yeah. To, yeah. Um, spent a year there, moved back to New York in 1989, and we've been here ever since. He only he only played 20 games, but you did play with Gilbert Perot, like uh, uh, in last last year. That that's been pretty cool. He was like an all timer. He was unbelievable. Bert was the best guy. Um, he he I, he was. I tell you a funny story. Bert and I used to go to lunch all the time after practice. Right? Mm-hmm. He loved going to lunch, having a couple of beers, some chicken wings. Uh, sure. And I was right up my alley. Too. Right. So we would go almost every day we'd go to lunch, and his English was so bad. <laughs> he had to go, oh, that ding, the hair, the ding, the horn, the handy. Oh, that's you know, funny. I'm like, I'm like, I said to myself, I said, I'd say, Bert, you know, you You've lived here forever. Yeah, you've played for the Sabres for like 15 years. You you can't speak better English than that. So I finally said to him, I said, Bert, you're you're kidding, right? And he goes, what do you mean I'm not kidding? You've got to be able to speak better English, for God's sake. You've lived here for 15 years. (laughs) Right, that's what I'm saying, right. He started laughing. He burst out laughing. He goes, oh, you think I'm just doing this on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like Gilbert, uh, you've got, yeah, 1972 you got there in Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> he had such a, such a chuckle over that. But oh, that's he was, funny. He was a great guy, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Scotty didn't treat him very good when he came back, for which would have been basically his final year. Right. Um, when when you talk to guys, um, you know, great players, uh, and you read books and you, you you listen to some interviews and stuff, and I've, people always say like this guy he never won a cup. Buffalo got to the finals once. They talk about this guy and his skill, Gilbert, Gilbert Perot, yeah. and just what a phenomenal. I mean, obviously you were there in his last year, but what a phenomenal player, you know, for, for yeah. so many yeah, years. I so. played against him, you know, for for the. First twelve years I played against him, and then had the opportunity to be with him a little bit, in Buffalo. But yeah, um, yeah, no, it's, it's you know it's Daryl Settler. I mean, Daryl Settler had a tremendous career and didn't want a cup. Yeah, um, yeah. You give up, you give up that ten ten point record night for for a Stanley Cup. I can tell you that. But uh, Joe Belfaro too had a lot of great success, but so would give up a lot of things if he could have had a cup. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Um, uh, tremendous talent, tremendous talent, no doubt about it. We uh, we lost uh, Al Arbor last year. Um, he passed away, and I have had I've had some in depth in depth conversations with uh, Ferraro about Al, and he can't 
say enough good things about Al Arbor, how he would kick you in the ass when you got a little bit of a big head and started thinking you were great. And then when you were struggling and needed a a friend, uh, he would be that guy. Um, Just a few, what do you, just, did you agree with that? What a phenomenal coach, what a phenomenal man, huh? Oh, it's uh, a great way to describe Al. He, he, uh, you know, Al was, think about Al, he was, he was a player, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Played on some pretty good teams in St. Louis. He won four Stanley Cups, so um, it wasn't like he was unfamiliar with what it took to win the Cup. Yep. Um, but I, the, the best thing about Al is that he just, you know, each player, um, he knew every individual on that team better than they knew themselves. And he knew, you know, how to push the buttons, how to get the guy going when he was down, how to – how to kick his ass if he was, you know, he thought he should have been playing better, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what to say to him. Some guys he could really be hard on, like Danny Cotman. I mean, he used to say some things to Danny. <laughs> I was like, I'm expecting Danny to get up out of his chair and smack him. But, wow. Yeah, yeah. Which you couldn't, you know, right, yeah. he wasn't going to. And then he, you know, and Danny would go out and just play, play twice as hard to stick it up his ass, you know. Right, yeah. And, uh, and then a guy like, you know, Wayne Merrick was a pretty sensitive guy that Al would have to treat differently, you know. He'd have to sort of pat him on the back and, you know, you mm-hmm. can do better. Come on, you can play better. Right. And, you know, it was, just, it was just the way he handled everybody. And, you know, to his to his benefit, I mean, uh, when you, when as we talked about earlier, when you got 16 guys who are on all four cups, you, you do get a chance to get to know the guys. Right. And, uh, uh, but, but that was Al's biggest attribute. He, you know, he was a real father figure to me. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, he was great, right? It just, uh, you know, whenever, (laughs) whenever I needed a kick in the ass, he was the first guy there to, you know, blow down. You needed, you know, needed, needed to scale it back a little bit, you know, you Take a little better care of yourself. Do this, that, you know. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I would, you know, I'd, I'd get the message pretty quickly when I was dealing with that. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, so uh, you know, we miss him terribly. Uh, he unfortunately had a, a rough time the last couple of years of his life, and mm-hmm. uh, it was sad. Uh, but you know, he's a bit in a better place now. We're, we're hoping actually to have a memorial where a lot of the guys that played for Al can. Uh, the place where I can come down and uh, and uh, pay tribute to him, and oh, we'll cool. have, a, have a party, have a party in Al's honor. So yeah, that'd be cool um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when that's going to happen. I, I I thought it would have happened before now, but uh, probably this summer. Maybe we'll get together um, and uh, do something here in the island. There's a lot of guys, and Ray's one of them. Ray played on a on a pretty good hockey team that Al coached. Yep, uh, they were the, probably the best. They had the best run of, of many of the Islander groups since since our run, mm-hmm. and uh, I know that uh, that '93 group of guys, uh, which Ray was part of, I, I know they're uh, they're a pretty close knit bunch of guys too. They they've had a couple of reunions with those guys here, and I can see, yeah, I can see they have the same feelings for each other the way we had feelings for the guys that were on our team. So, um, and Al was the coach of that team, so I think they're. They're, uh, they they feel like they need to do something here as well. Yeah, absolutely. I saw Jack Capriano just moved into second all time in Islander coach wins, and he's still six hundred behind Al. He's got a long way to go. Yeah, so. yeah. oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, 
Well, hey, Clark Gillies, thank you for doing this. Thank you for taking the time to do this with a guy that you never met and doesn't don't even know. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, it, it means, well, it means I, a lot. You so. know, I, it's, it's fun to talk about uh, fun to talk about hockey, and it's, uh, and it's you know about the old times and. And I actually enjoy <laughs> enjoy talking about hockey uh, in this day and age too. It's a, a tremendous amount of talented guys out there. The hockey, the game of hockey is in good shape, Steve. And um, I was just just proud as punch to be uh, to be part of it and uh, and uh, still be able to talk about it. So oh wait, I, I got one more question. One more question. Mm-hmm. The Hall of Fame. You were up for election for a while until you got the call in '02. Uh, had you? Right. Had you thought like your time had passed? How big of a surprise was the phone call to tell you, "Hey, you're now in the Hall of Fame"? I uh, I totally uh, I didn't think about it. Uh, you did okay, yeah. You'd already Hall given up hope a little bit, huh? Yeah, Hall of Fame induction time was was not a day that I had on my calendar uh, every year. Trust me, and uh, it's it's funny I tell the story. Uh, my my wife and I and our three three daughters were heading back to. Uh, Heading back to Moose uh, for my mom's 80th birthday, mm-hmm. and uh, we were in Toronto, and I got a call from my uh, from my office here in New York, and my secretary says, uh, "I'm going to give you a number. You have to call her right now. Don't ask me who it is. Just call the number." Okay. <laughs> okay. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Never mind. Don't ask me any questions. Just call the number. So <laughs> to four one six number. I go. What? Weird. Yeah. It's a Toronto number. Toronto number. Who the hell could that be? So I call, and it's uh, Kelly Massey from the Hall of Fame. She says, uh, yes, hi, um, Clark. Uh, uh, it's Kelly Massey. Uh, I have someone that needs to speak with you. And it's Jim Gregory. Uh-huh. And he tells me that I have been uh, inducted into the class of, of 2002 Hockey Hall of Fame. Well, I start crying, you know, blubbering. Really, on the phone. huh? Oh, that's awesome. That's and cool. I, I just can't, I can't control myself, right? And, and uh, the people, I'm sitting in the waiting room by the girls had gone to the bathroom <laughs> and we're waiting to get on the plane and these people were probably looking at me going, oh, shit, that guy must have got some really <laughs> good right? news. What's wrong with him, right? <laughs> uh, I feel bad for him. He must have, you know, <laughs> death in the family or something. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, my wife, the girls come back. They say, oh, Dad, what's the matter? What is it? The grandma? What is it? <laughs> and I go, I said, no, these are happy tears. I said, uh, and I told them, and then they all started crying. And I'm sure at that point, <laughs> people sitting around go, holy shit, that really was. <laughs> oh, man, let's give them and some think, space, right? Let's give them some space. Yeah, give them some space, yeah. But that was, you know, total shock. Um, just couldn't tell you. I mean, how elated I was with the news, and, yeah. and uh, I was hoping to keep a secret. I didn't call my mom and tell her. Uh, I was hoping to keep it a secret until I got got to Moose Jaw. But by that time, they had put yeah. it on the news and stuff, and, and she had seen it. So, oh. uh, but it was a great celebration to celebrate her 80th birthday and sure. uh, and getting inducted in the Hall of Fame. So it was quite a party that we had. But uh, yeah. yeah, great, great time. Uh, can't say how proud I am to be uh, to be in the Hall of Fame and uh, with <laughs> the best of the best. So uh, yeah, it's really um, it's really it's strange. Nice. I mean, you have a you have a Hall of Fame career. Looking at it from the outside, especially um, when you look at the you know your 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 short time 
play the number of years that you won and the number of years you went deep in the playoffs and everything else. So you got to wonder, like, what took so long, guys? If I'm a Hall of Famer, I'm a Hall of Famer. You know, I don't know. Like, seriously, like, I, to me, like, you got it. You're in. And so somebody must have really fought for you, you know, years later um, to get you in, which is great. It's well, awesome. I think yeah. I think Al Arbor, uh, speaking of Al, had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Uh, Bill Torrey. I think Bill Torrey was on part of the selection committee at that time. Oh, cool. Uh, I'm not sure whether Scotty was there. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were some guys on that on that committee that uh, that I've had had some pretty good relationships with, and um, you know, I probably I probably got in for reasons that maybe aren't quite the blueprint for a Hall of Famer. Um, I think some of the things that I did, um, like the extracurricular, the fighting, and being able to score, yeah. and being a power forward. Right. You know, I think that was part of why I got into the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, my numbers don't match up scoring and even games played, for that matter. I mean, I played 150 playoff games. Yeah. But, uh, well. You elevated your game in the playoffs too. A couple of years, you elevated yeah. your game in the playoffs when it, you know, when it's tough yeah. and when it counts. And and, and uh, have the four, the four cups on your resume sure. makes a difference. Five um, finals, yeah, I know. To me, and a guy, a guy with a guy with my numbers uh, and no cups would certainly would not get into the Hall of Fame. No, uh, but so they look at a lot of they look at a lot of different factors and. Uh, uh, you know, whatever they are, I'm, I'm sure glad they voted yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm happy that I think that's awesome. That's an awesome story. You know that you you've forgotten about it already. You know, basically, yeah. and uh, and it was cool. So that's really <laughs> oh, cool. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I for for obvious reasons, I didn't want to be disappointed. So I kind of like forgot mm-hmm. about that date every year, and uh, it was pretty special to get that call. I can no tell you doubt. That. Um, thank you for doing the Paul Pocky podcast. Clark Gillies, Hockey Hall of Famer, four Stanley Cup uh, winner, New York Islanders, Buffalo Sabres. Thank you for taking the time on us today. Uh, good luck with everything. Hopefully the golf game's going well. And um, thanks again. I really appreciate it. You got it, Steve. And have a, have a very happy new year. And hope everything goes well for you. You too. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Bye.